Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Dr. Ronald St. John has 35 years as a career in public health and infectious diseases control, both in Canada and the United States, as well as the World Health Organization Regional Office for the Americas. He was the first director general for the Center for Emergency Preparedness and Response at the Public Health Agency of Canada was also the national manager for Canada's response to SARS, and founded the Global Public Health Intelligence Network, GFEN, which we've talked about on this program. Dr. St. John is back with us on the program. Dr. St. John, good to have you with us. How are you, sir? I'm very well. Thank you very much, and thank you for the invitation to join you. Well, I uh, thank you for joining us. I I watched one of your TED Talk uh, segments from 2016 when you spoke about travel, and uh, the spread of pandemics. So, fundamental bottom line question is, how does travel affect the spread of pandemics if it does? Well, certain diseases, especially the respiratory ones, uh, can obviously be carried, they are carried by people. And people get on airplanes, and uh, they get off somewhere else. And depending on how transmissible the agent uh, is that they're carrying, they could start a brand new outbreak. And, in fact, that's exactly what's happened with, uh, with uh, the COVID um, and the variants. The variants are all brought by people, and they're all brought by, tra- by travel. Uh, and the rapid spread of uh, COVID around the world just reflects the incredible global mobility of our population. Dr. St. John, have we, has Canada, has the Public Health Agency of Canada, has the Government of Canada, and we have to be frank with one another in this country now, that's what people expect, and I know you are, most definitely, but have we been slow to respond as far as closing borders or minimizing the effect of a pandemic by travel? Well, I don't know if we've been slow. The the trouble is that you... It's very difficult, extremely difficult, to have a total closure of a border, uh, especially in a country like Canada. Now, if you're New Zealand, that's a lot easier. You're an island out way out in the middle of the ocean, and you can and most of the, most of the people that get there go by air, and you can control air entry and exit. Uh, it's a little more difficult in a country like Canada, where we have this long land border with the with the countries of the south. And huge numbers of people that cross that border every day. Uh, there was a, you know, we remember, people may remember the 9 11 uh, episode in, in Canada's response when the United States closed their air, air uh, space uh, in, immediately, and we followed suit. And the end result was we had uh, a, a parking lot of airplanes in Nova Scotia and New Brunswick because they had to, st- and uh, Newfoundland, they had to stop somewhere. And we had about 40,000 people isolated. That was just for four days. Um, it, it's, it's so difficult in the modern times to have a, an absolute total closure of borders. However, we have instituted some um, 
measures in Canada, well, I think they're good ones, to deter people from international travel. Besides telling them not to do it, we have imposed uh, some screening procedures and quarantine procedures when you come back, and they can be expensive, and those are deterrents. That helps. Land border, and how another big issue. So there are loopholes. Uh, we do the, the measures on the border, I think, slow down the importation of uh, other mutants or variants, but I'm afraid we can't. It's very difficult to see how we can stop it altogether. I found it very interesting. Again, in that uh, speech that you gave in 2016, I had no idea, but that, and that was five years ago, that there were three billion travelers on planes per year, according to IATA. And, yeah. and you pointed out that uh, the host is often not aware of the viral infection because of the incubation period. So, and I'm not making excuses here, I think our, I think our just my opinion, I think our airports should have been closed more effectively than they have been and some time ago. But you pointed out that the host is often not aware of the viral infection because of the incubation period. That's correct. Uh, take COVID as a good example. Um, if you... Let's say let's say I'm in England and I'm going to come back to Canada, and I know I have to have a, a test uh, in order to come into Canada, and I know I'll be tested when I land. Um, so I get my test done. Uh, let's say I'm I'm leaving on uh, tomorrow Monday, and so I have my test done yesterday, and I've got a negative result. But tonight everybody decides they're going to have a going away party for me. <laughs> And, uh, and there are a few people there without masks, and I get infected tonight. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not going to have a positive test for a few days. So I arrive in Canada tomorrow. I get tested. The test is negative. Um, and it will continue that way for a few days. If I just go home, uh, I could be one of the asymptomatic carriers and not even know I'm infected. What's important is that uh, I am put in, into a quarantine position or quarantine uh, as soon as I arrive in Canada for 14 days, because that'll cover the incubation period. So if I'm going to get sick during that period, it'll show up. If I'm not going to get sick, I can be tested at the end of the 14 days, uh, and I will probably be positive. Uh, the, point, the point being that the quarantine has to be really strictly enforced. We ask people to do it. Most people do, but not everyone. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that, that's the problem is how do you enforce it? Because we can't put a, a policeman on everybody's doorstep. Yeah, I just it just seems to me, and this is my opinion as somebody who observes the, what's going on, it's, it's my job to do that. I just think that we've been confused and confusing about what we, uh, about what we how we've been handling this, and, and I think we could have done far better. But let, let me ask you this. What would we be wise to consider to do to slow down the COVID variants at this time, understanding there is a tremendous amount of public COVID fatigue. Yeah, well, uh, first, number one, we, we acknowledge it's already, the variants are already here um, and uh, acknowledge that there may be more in the near future. Um, we, should, we should be, we know, everybody knows that the public health measures that we have available, the mask and the, and the distancing and the Reducing your contacts and stay at home and don't take essential don't take don't take travel unless it's essential. All that stuff, that works and it works against the regular coronavirus. It works against the bio, the variants too because they're spread just the same way as the standard coronavirus is spread. 
then the vaccine is another tool. It's an added tool. Um, and until we get uh, a huge number of people vaccinated uh, with a good result, we need to use both tools all the time. Uh, and and that, that people have to understand that that's, that's how we can get this thing under some degree of control. Dr. St. John, in, uh, in the 1980s, when you were the director of public health control for the World Health Organization in the Americas, you became aware of the first cases of HIV AIDS. They were spread by travel, were they not? Absolutely, yeah. The, uh, again, it's a virus, and the vir- viruses don't live outside of the body very well. They have to be carried and passed from person to person. And uh, HIV is absolutely was, uh, was spread worldwide and rather quickly by, uh, by people, um, many of whom didn't even know they were infected. Uh, HIV has such a long incubation period that uh, many people could become infected before the first disease actually showed up. And that, that was part of the reason why it was spread so quickly, so widely. Mm-hmm. In the mid-90s, uh, when you were at PHAC, you noticed a broadcast of live television footage of people uh, fleeing the city of Surat in India. Tell us what happened, please. Oh, yes. Yeah, that, um, I, I had um, a television set in my office because I needed to look, you know, just check the news uh, in the mornings. So I came in the morning. This was 96, I think. Uh, and uh, CNN was showing live pictures. And, of course, this was the days when... Live pictures from around the world were kind of uh, were, were kind of novelty, and and um, they showed people actually fleeing the city of the Surat in India because of uh, a possible outbreak of pneumonic plague. Pneumonic plague is a plague that affects your lungs, and again, this is spread by coughing and and uh, sneezing, and um, it's one of the worst kinds of plague because in some cases, in 24 hours, you could be dead. Um, so there were people were fleeing, and I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. That's a long way away, uh, almost on the other side of the world. Didn't give it a second thought until an hour later. The um, the head of the the director of the Pearson Airport uh, in in uh, Toronto um, called me up on the phone and said uh, that they had been watching television also in Toronto, and said that. Um, there was an Air India flight coming uh, from India, of course, and um, it was a big 747, and it was past the turnaround point, and everybody was afraid there would be plague on that airplane, and everybody, if that plane landed, everybody's going to go home. Um, now, at that time, there were 30,000 people working at Pearson Airport. So 30,000 people were going to walk off um, the job. Um, and that brought the whole problem of... Uh, just uh, uh, the whole issue of a distant problem, a distant outbreak. Put it right in our backyard in Canada. Right. And uh, this plane was going to land unless we did something. Well, to make a long story short, we were able to send one of our quarantine officers to Toronto before the Air India plane arrived, got everybody calmed down. He, uh, he did an inspection of the plane before it was allowed to go all the way to the gangway. Uh, there was obviously no plague on the airport, on the airplane. We knew that, but... Perceptions are important, and uh, everybody was calm. But that led us to think we needed better early warning than just in one hour. Uh, we needed to know what was happening uh, all over the world, really, and that led to 
the development of our early warning system, the Global Public Health Intelligence Network. And what a tremendous success that was. Um, yes. And with the World Health Organization using it, different countries using it, based here in Canada, founded by you, Public Health Agency of Canada, found through various means, detective work really, what was going on in the world. Might have been something financial, could have been anything that, that got on the radar of, uh, of the, the GFIN uh, folks, uh, and, uh, and then they would find... Uh, long before anybody else would, um, when when something was happening, developing that could be a real health threat, including a pandemic. So they're not doing what they were doing, uh, and they should be doing. Do you believe that G- if GFIN had been operating at its maximum potential, fulfilling its mandate, that COVID would have been discovered sooner? Uh, in this case, I don't think it could have been discovered sooner. But at the same time, when GFIN became aware of it on December 31st, um, with the first media reports in China of this mysterious pneumonia in Wuhan, um, they did not issue the global early alert that they were, that was part of their mission, was to issue a global alert. Um, that did not happen, because yeah. um, GFIN had been told not to issue any more global alerts. Yeah, um, which was wrong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are events. I mean, GFIN is kind of an intelligence system. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a way, you want to detect an event uh, that's happening, and you may or may not know whether this is going to become a huge pandemic or not. Mm-hmm. We see reports in, uh, from around the world from time to time of some people in a remote village are dying of an unknown cause, and uh, people are are concerned. And you, you have to know about that uh, in order to do some analysis and risk analysis right. to say, well, do you think this is going to become big or not? Yeah, Dr. St. John, they would have been far better off keeping an eye on the world as they were doing than studying vaping yeah. in Canada. Yes, in my that. opinion. I could do that. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.